The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to the Betting Above the Rim podcast, episode number 15. Today's date is December 27th. And today's podcast, we get into four topics. Number one, the defending champion Denver Nuggets. Do we think or do I think they are going to repeat as NBA champs? Number two, we go to Toronto and look at the Toronto Raptors, a team kind of stuck in the mud since their championship uh, year with Kawhi Leonard. What does Masai Ujiri do moving forward? Number three, we go out west with the same thing with Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz. What do they do as they sit in 12th place in the Western Conference? And lastly, as we get to the end of the year, we'll take a look at the top 25. We'll look at the team that's number one and the team that's number three, who I think may actually be the best team in the country. Like I said, welcome to episode number 15 of the Betting Above the Rim podcast, and let's get started with the defending NBA champs, the Denver Nuggets. Denver uh, has really, I guess you could say, slept walk or load, lie beneath the weeds a little bit. Uh, So far this year uh, in the NBA, as they are the defending champions, but I really feel like not a lot of people have been talking about Denver. What do we see and what do we expect out of a team that right now sits in second place at 22 and 10, one and a half games back behind the Minnesota Timberwolves. And when you look at Denver, dare I say you have to look at the big four, maybe three and a half, depending on what you feel about Aaron Gordon. But I'll call him the big four. First off, led by uh, Nikola Jokic, two time NBA MVP, having a I guess a pedestrian year in regards to scoring, but everything else has been fantastic. Nikola Jokic scored 26.4 points per game, 12.3 rebounds, 9.2 assists, flirting with a triple-double this year, folks. But also Nikola Jokic shooting a very well 54.1% from the floor. You really can't speak enough of the Joker who's really put up, you know, legendary seasons year after year after year. And folks, we're, we're talking about, you know, I would say four or five seasons in a row where this guy is going to average at least 26 points per game, get you double-digit rebounds, and getting you at least eight assists. Now, the 9.2 is right now is second off of his career high of 9.8 last year. But you do see also the key thing I like with Nicole Jokic, folks, The turnovers are down to 2.6. That is significant. That is the least amount of turnovers he's had since year number two. So usage rate around the same, right? Shooting the ball, not as good as he did last year, 63.2%, but still at 54.1. Got to shoot a little bit better. 
got to shoot a little bit better from three. So shooting-wise, not doing what he's done in the past. Rebounding-wise, it's his career high along with assists. We're at 9.2, which is right under 9.8. But let's move on to Jamal Murray, who really, after coming back from last year from his injury, really turned it on. Right now getting you about 19.8 points per game, uh, 5.7 assists per game, shooting at 47% and 44.9% from three. And this is really someone that at any point is the Batman, but he could be the Robin as well. And I think that's the important thing to look at Jamal Murray. He has only played in 18 games this year. 19.8 is still, uh, you know, last year he's averaged more than that. But you look at it, 47%. Right off his career high at 47.7. But the key thing with Jamal Murray, folks, 44.9% from three. That is a career high by over four percentage points and shooting 90.6% from the line. So I do like what I'm getting out of Jamal Murray so far this year. Let's move on to Michael Porter, who sometimes I have challenged Porter on the defensive side of the ball. Michael Porter Jr. with a sniper. Uh, uh, stretch forwards in the NBA, getting you at 16.5 points per game, 7.7 rebounds, which I absolutely love, which is a career high. His assists will never be high, folks. He's at 1.5, so anytime he gets you more than two assists in a game, that's good. But that's not what he's paid to do. He's made, paid the knockdown shots, 47.3% uh, percent for the year, 39.5, which is off from last year at 41.1%. But to me, it's about the rebounding of Michael Porter Jr. and what he has done. Lastly, Aaron Gordon, uh, kind of the junkyard dog, kind of the forgotten man at times, but really plays a critical role with them, getting at 13.6 points per game, 6.9 rebounds per game. And if you look at Aaron Gordon, it's coming over uh, from Orlando. The 13.6 would be the low since his first year when he finished out the year at 10.2 points per game, 6.9 rebounds is a would be a uh, a high since being with Denver, and the 3.4 assists uh, is also right off uh, the high. Actually, a career high would be so. Uh, Aaron Gordon has played really good basketball. So when you look at it, their four guys are really playing well. Now, I, I do think you got to get a little bit better shooting for Nikola Jokic, uh, and I do think that uh, you need to get a little bit of better play out of Aaron Gordon. But when you look at it, do I think that they are the best team in the Western Conference? As we pull up the odds, uh, as of this morning on FanDuel, uh, the Denver Nuggets are priced at plus 420, the second best odds to win the NBA championship behind the Boston Celtics. And I would dare to say they should not be the favorites to win a championship, although you always want to beat the team before you can call yourself champion. So at plus uh, I should say 420, like I said. Uh, I do think Boston is better than them. Uh, I, I would say this, folks. At, at 12 to 1, I've been really intrigued by the Clippers, the way they've turned their season around. For them, it's about the health. We've talked about it. Uh, but I think right now, they're the third best team in the West. Um, you know, where, I'm sorry, the second best team in the West. Uh, I think the Clippers are the best team. I can never count out a LeBron James team, and you never know what's going to happen with Phoenix. But to me, when you look at a team like the Denver Nuggets, what I am looking for uh, for the next couple of weeks is, is what do we get in regards to development? Christian Braun, 
the round, the, uh, the second year guy out of Kansas at 8.4 points per game. He's got to take on that Bruce Brown type that was kind of that junkyard dog, kind of do everything. Reggie Jackson, Reggie, Reggie. You know, I've always been a big Reggie Jackson guy. Really didn't allow a lot of time in the playoffs last year. Giving you 12.5 points per game, 4.4 assists. A guy that is uh, can get you a lot of points off the bench. So to me, you know, it's about Jackson. It's about Brown. It's about uh, Caldwell Pope, who's giving you 10.2 points per game. And KCP is shooting it at 45.5%, 42.1% from three. So if you get the Joker to shoot the ball better, if you get Michael Porter Jr. to shoot it from three better, if you get Aaron Gordon to play a little bit better offensively, and then you get the role guys of Jackson and Brown and, of course, KCP, you can look at this team as, yeah, they should be in the title contention. I just think right now the best team in the Western Conference is the L.A. Clippers. Let's move on to the Eastern Conference, and let's talk about the Toronto Raptors. How do we address the Toronto Raptors, a team that I've always said this, folks, you're either winning or you're rebuilding. And to me, there's nothing worse in the NBA than being a team that's stuck in the middle. And I really think that's what you have from a Toronto Raptors team that right now is sitting at a record of 11-18 and 18 in uh, 12th praise in the Eastern Conference, half game behind Atlanta, and one and a half behind Chicago, although they're tied in the loss column going into today. And when you look at a team like the Toronto Raptors, you got to start with what does Masai Ujiri do? When you look at this team, I've always said this, that I feel like they are a flawed roster, right? They're, they're flawed because if, if you look at this team in, in, in Toronto, you know, obviously they lose Fred VanVleet to free agency. They bring in Dennis Schroeder, who's been uh, very good for them so far. But it, it's it's two through five is where you get – actually, two through four, I should say, is where you get a little bit of like – it doesn't work for me, right? With OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, and Pascal Siakam, that's your two, three, four. So when you start looking at uh, the Toronto Raptors, you start looking at the stats of some of their star players. And let's start with Pascal Siakam. That's been absolutely fantastic this year, as he's been basically every year, at 21.3 points per game, 6.7 rebounds, 5 assists, kind of run that point forward, shooting 50.4% from the floor, 76% from the line. Pascal has been uh, what Pascal does. Now, he's never going to be someone that's going to shoot the ball well from three, only shooting it at about 24.5% from three. And that's a little bit of an issue because he's down about eight percentage points from last year and 10 percentage points from the year before. So uh, although good stats for Siakam, it's kind of not what you really think when he's shooting from three. Next, Scotty Barnes, who's really taken a leap this year uh, with the Toronto Raptors, is particularly with his scoring. Scotty Barnes is up to 20.7 points per game, 9.3 rebounds. And remember, folks, when Scotty Barnes came out of, out of college, out of uh, Florida State, he was more of a, a defender, but he's gotten progressively better offensively. 20.7 points per game as 5.2 points per game or 5.4 points per game uh, ahead of his uh, season high in the last two years. But the big thing with Scotty Barnes is 38.3% from three. That has been a really improvement of Scotty Barnes to which I think with 9.3 rebounds and 5.9 assists 
1.4 steals or 1.4 blocks, to me, he has now become the face of the franchise and the best player for Toronto. A couple other guys worth mentioning. Obviously, OG Ananobi has always been mentioned in trade talks. 14.8 points per game, 3.9 rebounds, 2.7 assists, as he's now moved himself uh, into the starting lineup for the Toronto Raptors. And OG at 14.8 is down a couple of points. Uh, he's shooting it a couple of percentage points worse from three. Uh, he's not a great rebounder at 3.9, but he is perennially thought of one of the better three and three D guys in the league. Uh, then uh, you have other parts. You were talking about Gary Trent uh, coming off the bench, Jakob Pertl at center, so on and so forth. So when you look at Toronto, what do you do? Listen, I said it. Either you're winning or you're rebuilding. And this team is stuck in the middle, a.k.a. like the Chicago Bulls. So if I look at this flawed roster, when I look at Precious Achua, you know, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Scotty Barnes, really four guys in two and a half spots, I think you make a trade. And I think the trade you need to make is you need to move Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam, which uh, has a, a contract that still has a couple of years left on it, and a Pascal Siakam that I think would garner a lot of interest from a lot of teams. And I think that's something that people need to consider with Pascal Siakam uh, going, and I'm such a going into his walk year. Uh, he's in his walk year. So if Pascal talked about staying in Toronto, it is best for Toronto to move Pascal Siakam now and get some assets. And for me, I would be looking at a better starting two guard than Gary Trent Jr. And then what I would do is that I would just put OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes at the 3-4 with Jakob Pertl at the 5. If you get a young enough two guard, that could score the ball and shoot it pretty well, I actually think that's a pretty good team moving forward. And there I would say a young team in the Toronto Raptors, if you were to move someone like a Pascal Siakam and look at the fact that Preston Chichu has 25, OG Ananobi is 26, Scotty Barnes is 22. So you got a young guy. Jakob Porto will be the old man on the team at 28. Masai Ujiri, who's a, who's a, a shrewd negotiator and trade guy, I think is going to have to step up and start to think about moving Pascal Siakam and going to get that two guard and bring that core team a little bit younger and start the rebuilding uh, process with their new coach. Let's move to another team that I think is kind of stuck in limbo, and that's the Utah Jazz. And listen, you know it, I know it. When Danny Ainge rings that phone to call you for a trade, you better hang up. Because at the end of the day, Danny Ainge is going to fleece you. And he's going to get a lot of return. If you think about the Utah Jazz team, and we pull up the records over the last couple of years, is if you think about four years ago, in 2021, they were 52-20. and 20. They were great. They lost in the semifinals to the Clippers. right? Then you go to 21-22, 49-33. -33. And then that's when they kind of figured out, what are we? We're, we're, we're not going to be able to win with the Quinn Snyder, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell thing. So they switched the coach with the Will Handy as a new head coach. Young, dynamic, was on the Boston Celtics staff. But then they turn around and they trade Rudy Gobert, get a bunch of draft picks, and then they made the last big splash, which was the trade of Donovan Mitchell sending him to Cleveland and receiving Laurie Marketing, Colin Sexton, 
Ogie Abaji, and then obviously the five first-round picks or pick swaps. So Danny Ainge is sitting here right now with a lot of, I would say, capital at his disposal. If you look at Utah, folks, you know, they have, you know, some players that are going to be pretty interesting to do. Uh, and, and what do they look to do, Utah, in regards to their team, in regards to moving forward? What do they do with that man? Lori Markinen, a player that is outstanding on uh, about six foot nine, six times scoring, uh, over 20 points a game, two year deal left, 17.2 million. And then that man, Jordan Clarkson, who just re signed as uh, three years left on his deal. So if you're stuck in the middle and you're a team that's got not one, not two, but three first round picks, two first round picks in 2026, four first round picks in 2027, and two first round picks in 2028. What do you do if you're stuck in the middle? You do it again. If you do not believe that the players that you have are core players enough to want to go ahead and make a run. So when you look at Utah, what are we looking at? First off, Colin Sexton has been pretty good at 15.3 points per game. This is a Colin Sexton who was a pretty good guard. They had to separate Garland and, and, and you know, Sexton. So obviously Sexton gets moved, and he's been pretty good as of late, scoring 16 points or more in his last five games. I think he could value, he could be someone that's valuable on the trade market. What about a guy like a John Collins, who is one of the biggest enigmas in the NBA, freakishly athletic, could really, I mean, John Collins, folks, I'm going to say this. John Collins would be an 18-9 and nine guy a night, and he shows it on occasion. But at age 26, on his second team, has he started to now become too much of an enigma? Maybe a team can get him on the cheap to fortify their bench, someone that is pretty good at, uh, at scoring, running the floor, and a sneaky good three-point shooter shooting at roughly 40% this season. What about THT? That's another person on a one-year deal. Should be moved, benched up, proven score. But he doesn't really make your team better at the age of 23. So you have to think about if you're this team, what do you do? And the key one is, more than anything, is what you do with marketing. Because marketing, if you trade him, is going to fetch you a lot. So you got to think about what you want to do with Lori marketing. But if I am them, I want to start to play these young kids and get them the experience they need. They got to make sure they get Walker Kessler a bunch of minutes. They got to make sure that the rookie out of Baylor that I love, Keontae George, who's played so much better as time has gone along, they got to get this kid some playing time to see what they have. So to me, the John Collinsons, the Jordan Clarksons, the Colin Sextons, the Kelly Olenics, the THTs, they should be moved out. We got to start looking at Abaji. We got to be looking at Keontae George. We got to be looking at the rookie out of UCF, Taylor Hendricks. We got to start seeing what we have. But the key thing is, if you are Danny Ainge, do you move Lori Marketing? Someone that I think is an outstanding talent and someone that I would love for a team like my hometown New York Knicks to go ahead and get 
Lori Marketing, who is an all-star, who gets you, you know, obviously the 24 points per game, the 8.8 rebounds per game, shooting it at 41.3% from three, one of the premier three and D or stretch four guys in the NBA. Lori Marketing at seven feet and can shoot the ball like that, he could command a hefty load if Danny Ainge wants to use him. Be careful, Danny, because that could be someone you want to hold on to. Let's end today's podcast switching to the college game. Folks, this is so unpredictable, this college basketball season, because to me, the one thing you may not want to do is you don't want to be the number one team in the country. And right now, the number one team in the country is the Purdue Boilermakers. Back up top with 11-1 record, they were number one for a number of weeks until the loss they had at Northwestern on the road. And we've talked about it, so I don't want to get into it much with this team. We know that Zach Eady is a generational talent, 24 points per game, 10.4 assists. But to me, it's going to be the play of Smith, Lawyer, and Jones, getting you 13.3, 11.3, and 10.9 points per game. They are the keys, and they're shooting 47.5, 38.6, 33.3% from three. Guard play. Guard play is going to ring true. And that guy, Braden Smith, has been really, really good in spots. Think about that game. He went against Alabama where he went absolutely nuclear. Listen, Purdue is the class of the Big Ten. We all know it. The league isn't as good as we think. Michigan State has struggled. Rutgers, who could be a team, has struggled at times. You know, Michigan just got Juwan Howard back. It's a struggle, this league. So they are the class of the Big Ten. Number two to Kansas Jayhawks. And what I say is by far the best league in college basketball in the Big 12. And obviously, Hunter Dickinson has been absolutely sensational for Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks. And I think that they actually will be there in the end. Bill Self, one of the best coaches in the country. Number four, we obviously have Arizona. Arizona was top uh, number one until their loss uh, to FAU. Shout out to Florida Atlantic. They're back. And they have experience. And I think that's one thing that you always got to remember, folks. When you get to March, you got to have experience. Florida Atlantic sitting at 10-2, and jumped seven spots from 14-7 to with their big win. Where And this team, folks, they can absolutely score that ball. With Davis, with Golden, with Martin, with Rosado, with Greenlee, with Gaffney, with Boyd, with Weatherspoon, that's not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, seven guys giving you seven points per game or more. That is a big-time team. And like we all remember, folks, Boyd has only played in five games this year as he works his way back. So now we look at those teams, two teams I want to highlight in particular that I've been big fans of, and I think that at the end of the day, I think they're going to be the cream of the crop in college basketball. Number one, that's the UConn Huskies. They're the defending champs. And, and you can argue, UConn, when you give that man, that man right there, Dan Hurley, from that great bloodline of the father of Bob Hurley Sr., with his big brother Bobby, you know, doing the job there in Arizona State, UConn plays so damn hard. You think about the fact that the guys that they lost, but how about the guys they brought in? How about Cam Spencer, the transfer from Rutgers, giving you 14.8 points per game and shooting at 45% from three? 
What about the play of Tristan Newton and his ascension of his game, the 16.2, 6.9, How about the stretch four? Alex Caravan, who really came on the second half of last year, getting you 14.2 and 5.9. Folks, it's going to love. It's going to come down to Donovan Klingon. Donovan Klingon, who was thought of at seven foot two, uh, really an under-recruited player coming out of high school, a borderline top 10 to top 15 prospect, is out, I think, for six to eight weeks for injury. Let's see what happens. The last time they, they he played, when he went out, they were winning at Seton Hall, and they turned around and they lost. UConn is 11-2. and two. They're going to have to tread water in a good Big East with St. John's, with Marquette, uh, who is ranked, uh, I, I do believe, number 10 in the country, uh, with Creighton, uh, who, who was ranked at some, a lot during the season, with a team like St. John's, with Villanova, who's been looking terrible, but it kind of 40-point win a couple, a couple of days ago, and Providence. Shout out to Kim English. Done a great job since coming from G, uh, George Mason over to Providence. Done a great job replacing Ed Cooley. But when I talk about the class of college basketball, I'm going to say it. It's the Houston Cougars. And why? Number one reason, folks, I think they may have the pound-for-pound pound the best coach in the country, and Kelvin Sampson. And Kelvin Sampson gets his teams to play harder than anybody else in the country. I really think, I, to be honest with you, folks, I really think it's Houston and, and, and UConn in regards to teams that really grind your gears. This team defensively is the best team in the country, and that's what travels in March. That's what gets you to a Final Four. Guard play and the ability to make shots. They're sitting at 12-0. Listen, folks, they haven't played the schedule that some of these other teams have. They haven't played the schedule of Purdue. They haven't played the schedule of Kansas. They haven't played the schedule of an Arizona or a UConn or a Tennessee. But I'll tell you what, we're about to find out. We're about to find out real quick because Houston is now in the Big 12. And I think I'm going to say this, folks, and I'm going to go on record and tell you this. Houston going to the Big 12, although may put more losses on their resume, it will make them more dangerous. Why? Battle tested. If they find a way to finish in first or in second place in the Big 12 and find a way to get themselves to a championship game, whether they win or lose, they're getting a one seed because of their track record, because of their play. And I'm going to tell you this right now, folks. They are led by the transfer, LJ Cryer, giving you 17 points per game. And listen, think about this, folks. Sasser's gone. Jarris Walker's gone. And I think this team's actually better this year. How about the play of Emmanuel Sharp? How he's played at 13.9 points per game and what he has done in year number two after getting only 5.9 points per game, right? What what about the play of Jamal Shedd? A Jamal Shedd who's only giving you 9.5 points per game, but has been steady throughout his entire career. Now, Jamal Shedd, my man, you got to knock down a free throws, brother. I ain't liking this 61.5%. But y'all know when push comes to shove, you can defend. And what about Jawan Roberts? 7.5, 7.1. The linchpin defensively shooting 62.17%. Uh, 
uh, done, the transfer, Damian Dunn, a transfer uh, at a temple and what he's given them. I'm saying this to you right now, folks. The best team in the country is not the number one team in the country. The best team in the country right now because of the Donovan clicking injury to me is the Houston Cougars. And the only reason why they're not there is because their schedule has not been tough. But we'll see coming the start of the new year when they got to go home West Virginia, at Iowa State, at TCU, home Texas Tech, home UCF, at an underrated BYU team, home versus Kansas State on the 27th, and then the two big ones on the road, the 29th and February 2nd. That's at Texas and at Kansas. I will say this right now. Watch this team closely. They are, in my opinion, the best team in the country. And when they start playing the Big 12 schedule, they're going to start to show it. This has been your Betting Above the Rim podcast for today, December the 27th. For all of your information, pregame, in-game, post-game, props, predictions, from the very best in sports gambling, please download that Sports Grid app. This is an essential piece to your sports betting that should be used daily, not just for the NBA, not just for the WNBA in college, but for all sports. And you will always see a lot of my plays and the plays from the rest of the hosts right there on that Sports Grid app. Download it today and on iOS and Android. Next podcast, we will shoot it New Year's Eve, New Year's resolution. Maybe we go to college basketball as we get into conference play. Folks, I'm, 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 I'm doing this. I got my guest lined up for Wednesday, and if he comes, it's going to be a banger. Thank you for listening to the Betting Above the Rim podcast. This is Coach Young. Today's date is December 27th. Thank you as always. Thank you to my producer, Matt George, who's crushing it. And remember, folks, it's always smarter to be on sports screen. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 